0: Welcome to your Active Stack Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week we take a closer look at algorithm audits under the Digital Services Act. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is your Active Stack Brief podcast.
1: This episode is powered by Google. Google's new cybersecurity hub in Malaga will bring their leading cybersecurity teams together with Europe's experts and institutions to build a better, safer internet. Learn more at safety.google.
0: Today, I'm joined by Catalina Guanta, Associate Professor of Law and Technology at Utrecht University, and Yuriane Parry, Director at Algorithm Audit. Hello, both. Hello.
1: Thanks for having me. Hi.
0: Thank you for joining us. Um, so, uh, Catalina, let's uh, dive into it. Uh, in October, the Commission has adopted the Delegated Act on How to Audit Algorithms under the, the Digital Services Act. Um, this will be a key uh, piece of, of the DSA architecture because for the first time, uh, very complex and and Uh, let's say, obscure uh, algorithms like uh, social media's recommender systems will be audited. Um, I know there was a bit of controversy in academia uh, around this delegated act. What do you think of of the final outcome and and what is the state of play of, of, uh, of research in this area?
2: So I think that um, the the final outcome is a step in a very good direction. Uh, We have not had so far any kind of instructions, any kind of guidelines that are so comprehensive, whether at European or national level, that also a lot of the very large online platforms and uh, as you mentioned, such as social media platforms should know about and should follow in terms of allowing third parties and other um, interested uh, researchers, for instance, to uh, actually see what they are doing behind closed doors. So it's, it's definitely a good step. However, you mentioned this one word, complex. So we're talking about very, very complex systems. And I think that what the delegated acts still lack um, is very much uh, just um, uh, the, materializ- the materialization of what exactly we're talking about in terms of uh, risks and what uh, these audits should be focused on.
0: Right. If I'm not mistaken, also um, at the time when the, the Delegated Act was first um, published, the first draft, uh, we also had a discussion on, on the level of maturity of uh, research in this area, that there are no like, commonly agreed uh, benchmarks uh, to conduct these audits. Uh, can, can you tell us a bit uh, about that? Absolutely. So
2: in academic research, and perhaps I should disclose that I am a legal scholar myself, but I have been interfacing with multidisciplinary communities, such as uh, the research community around the FACT Conference, that's the Fairness, Accountability, and Transparency Conference, where a lot of the research agenda on algorithmic auditing has been uh, very much in full bloom in the past years. However, even here, we notice that work remains quite uh, specific. So there's teams of researchers in Europe, there's teams of researchers in, um, in, in North America, predominantly uh, such as Deb Raji and, and Solon Barokas. These are two prominent scholars who have been working on um, algorithmic auditing. But even the terminology is something that we we still need to harmonize within the research community, let alone methods. And to give you a very quick example of why that is important, uh, let me refer to um, something that has been in the news in the past uh, few days. Um, At at the moment of recording this podcast, there was this article by the Wall Street Journal about a test account or several test accounts that have been made by the publication and um, where they discovered that actually if you have an an account on social media that is the account of an adult, then um, if you're going to be on a platform like Instagram, Instagram is going to serve you um, on the basis of its recommender system, um, footage of kids, um, risque footage of kids if I can uh, quote that, overtly sexual adult videos and ads from major brands. Now, if we're speaking about uh, an auditing, a potential auditing process in this situation, um, there's going to be a lot of science that is very qualitative very much what like uh, what the Wall Street Journal has done. So just uh, some anecdotal evidence gathered from making some um, some test accounts. There can be some computational social science uh, studies that uh, that study this. But then there's also some very much uh, hardcore computing studies, um, and also the algorithmic um, the algorithmic auditing a community that comes with different types of principles and procedures that could be relevant for uh, such an audit. So. We We already have uh, quite a lot of ingredients when it comes to uh, different preferences in methodologies, different uh, established practices. And indeed, as you mentioned, it is the case that so far the academic community is not really on the same page with what exactly should be, if we can even speak about this, the ideal methodology for such auditing.
0: And I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the journal, um, but the idea here is not only to have like uh, academics or you know, civil society or investigative journalists to, to conduct these audits, but to create actually uh, sort of a, a market from scratch because this has not been um, required before. So Jurian, uh, at Algorithm Audit, you have done uh, very important work in terms of uh, possible methodologies for how to conduct these audits. Well, what is it that future auditors will have to keep in mind?
1: So, what future auditors should keep in mind is that there's a significant normative component how AI systems are developed. So, for instance, if you are auditing now currently a very large online search engine, you should question against which metric, for instance, this search engine is optimized. If it's only about counting, for instance, the number of links pointing towards a website, to rank it in a search engine result page, which a search algorithm is doing, then that could be very easily manipulated. And that's a systemic risk then, according to the Digital Services Act, that it can be manipulated and can pose a threat for democracy and information supply at large. So for instance, if you are are, um, using a search engine and you're querying what's the most popular websites to follow European news and there the results are ranked based on the number of links pointing to the financial times and Eurective.com for instance, it only counts 100,000 links pointing towards financial times and 50k to Eurective. If Eurective then buys somewhere, maybe it's possible 100k of links, it gets at the top um, rather than the financial times. So you can manipulate these things according to certain metrics that are chosen by data scientists working for these very large online platforms. And these choices tripling down through the entire way how AI systems work should all be questioned and audited, and these normative elements should be questioned. So this is optimized against certain metrics interesting for the organization, for the very large online uh, search engine, for instance, ad results not only the objective truth, how ranking can be performed to get the most relevant information at top for a certain query. So this dynamic of the normative element of AI systems and the technical aspects of AI systems, that should really be taken into account when setting such standards to audit against in the future
0: right and, and just to follow up on that uh, durian um uh, because w- uh, one other uh, contention point around this delegated act is uh, has been who will be these auditing firms and of course uh, there is uh, some some pointed to a risk that this market might be monopolized by uh, the big four uh, consulting firms because they they might just be the only ones to have enough uh, resources uh, to to acquire the the talent that is needed to, to audit complex algorithms um, and of course uh, there has also been a sort of uh, in a polemical tone who is going to audit these auditors so how, how do you reply to this uh, to this uh, question
1: let let me start with the first question What you read in the feedback sent to the European Commission, for instance, on the delegated regulation, you read two things from market parties who are auditing tech companies. They say, we should audit against standards which are not yet available. And because we are all auditing then against our own standards, that's subjective. And that's not the case of auditing. It's a flawed auditing exercise. At the other hand, you're reading from the feedback of tech companies That they say for our very specific AI system, there's not enough knowledge in the market to audit audit our AI systems in a decent manner. We understand our tech AI systems much better than these private actors do. So I think AI systems are very niche and very tailored to the specific function they are optimized against. There could create and exist as well a whole new niche field of auditing firms that are only auditing search engines for instance that are only auditing computer vision algorithms that are only auditing ranking systems for uh, user reviews so i think this market can be much more richer um, than only big four companies i even heard here from the netherlands that big four is a little bit lagging behind in showing they have technical capabilities so maybe these niche boutique firms with specialized technical capabilities could make a difference here it's too early to say i would say the second question who watch the watchers or who is auditing the auditors we as an ngo want to contribute to setting standards for auditing ai systems from a non profit perspective rather than these standards are dictated by private auditors that have the experience to audit certain AI systems. So for instance, we're working on learning to rank audit standards and computer vision audit standards, profiling audit standards to assess, for instance, in the profiling context, what variables, input variables for machine learning uh, variable selection methods should be excluded for profiling to mitigate the risk on proxy discrimination. And these are really difficult questions for which we are then developing case-based advice, but to give a helping guidance as well for setting auditing standards from a nonprofit perspective rather than only the market controls market paradigm.
0: And turning to you, Catalina, I mean, last time we talked about this, I think it was in the summer and you told me, well, we have to start somewhere even if, you know, Uh, This is, of course, very new, so there are no benchmarks or standards yet, uh, but we have to start somewhere. So, I mean, uh, turning turning this question to you on on who audits the auditors, what do you see as the role of uh, civil society and uh, academia in this ecosystem? And what role should the Commission play in particular with this uh, Algorithm Transparency Center?
2: Uh, those are really fantastic questions, which um, are really going around and making the the circles in academic communities, because I think for civil society and for academia, uh, we have a very serious task of bringing together the expertise that is needed for these types of um, auditing procedures and guidelines and auditing future, basically. And I say this uh, because sometimes I, I reflect on the uh, on the fact that if we're talking about the massive power gap between, especially uh, very large online platforms and very large online search engines and anyone else, whether on the market or in academia or in in government, there is such a big gap. So um, uh, what I always say is that uh, the the type of methodologies that are necessary for uh, an actual serious auditing of the, the complexity that we have before us doesn't yet exist. Uh, To give you an example, Yurian was mentioning um, optimization against metrics. I think uh, the examples that he gave uh, were very, very clear, but we also need to keep in mind and uh, let me just extrapolate that and uh, perhaps take the example of social media platforms and their own metrics about engagement engagement is also a an economic product on social media platforms it's about audience uh, interacting with content uh, this is also something very popular uh, nowadays in european digital policy with addictive design but that's a completely different topic but the idea is that we have this market context that is also very important to to know about we also have sociocultural impacts and we also have this organizational management dimension so um, an algorithm is going to be a process, there's going to be a team developing a product with very specific economic objectives um, within a very specific cultural and societal content uh, context, and also under a very specific institutional procedure. So right now, um, as far as I know, there isn't really any you know one center of expertise in academia that can combine all of these things together um, uh, at excellent levels and say, okay, this is, what we think should be a methodology for auditing for instance the way in which a social media platform calculates engagement so i think the role of civil society and academia first and foremost should be to actually come together and and really bridge the gaps between Qualitative research that is very much more focused on on market, on understanding the market, understanding these sociocultural factors, and then also the computational research, the quantitative research that um, perhaps can give us evidence as to whether indeed a certain um, performance indicators can be met or not uh, on the basis of an algorithmic auditing uh, guideline. As for the commission, I think the commission could uh, very well uh, benefit from bringing together all of this knowledge in the form of maybe making uh, meta studies. Because what I notice myself is that um, uh, research in this field remains very granular and it also remains very partitioned. So uh, we're lacking uh, the equivalent, you know, of what the World Health Organization is doing with meta studies on uh, the causal links between cancer and. Um, red meat, for instance, we're lacking that in in the sciences that are necessary for the study of complexity in the digital sphere.
0: Thanks, Catalina, for those insights. And I think it also shows that, I mean, of course, academia can contribute to the DSA implementation, but the DSA can also advance quite significantly uh, our understanding uh, and research into the way this platforms operate? Because as someone put it, uh, that the DSA is a bit of a transparency machine. I don't know if you would agree to that.
2: I completely do. And uh, right now we're with, uh, with one of my teams, we're studying the DSA transparency database. And we have been looking at it in many different ways and coming up with many different questions about uh, the content moderation systems of the platforms that to date, need to submit their um, uh, the, their data in the DSA transparency database. Their statements of um, uh, their statements showing how exactly they have undertaken content moderation. Um, but at the same time, um, it, the the problem is that there is also a limit to the transparency. So um, we noticed, and this is just some preliminary insight, that platforms really uh, are going to standardize as much as possible what they can. And um, there will be platforms that will mention in their statements of reasons basically the same sentences over and over again um, for one piece of content being taken down. So that's not really something that that you can work with or that gives you any kind of insights into content moderation um, other than you would get maybe from the, the, the reports that platforms also need to publish. Um, then again, what I think is very interesting is that even looking at the DSA Transparency Database, you can see the sheer scale at which content moderation is done by many platforms, not just social media platforms. And I think that's also something that we need to come to terms with, because the, the this in, immense scale is going to be a central uh, issue for the effectiveness of the DSA.
1: And to add on that, I think from a strategic regulatory perspective, it's very interesting now that these market auditors are have been auditing the VLOPS and VLOCES over last summer. Now the commission is reading all these reports. And based on this kind of unclear auditing standards work yet, over time, there can be standards set out of these, resulting out of these work performed. And there's really a central role for the commission, I think, as... Uh, a governmental institution to say okay the market now has been starting to innovate under pressure to get towards auditing standard for content moderation for instance now it's up to them the ball is at their side again to say this is a better way of auditing content moderation than um, another audit performed and that over time hopefully gives more bottom-up experience how effective auditing for specific Contexts such as content moderation can be performed.
0: Uh, Catalina, do you want to react to that?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a very, very good point, and I think that indeed um, I completely agree with Yuryan that we need to look at this process as an iterative process that perhaps is not going to work very well from uh, the very, very beginning. But what is absolutely clear, and you can really just look at the delegated acts on um, on auditing uh, and, and see this immediately. The complexity also of the legal obligations that are now incumbent upon platforms uh, amid the wave of digital policy, such as the Digital Services Act, is definitely going to have at least uh, this is my own opinion and my own projection is going to have a deterrent effect and perhaps also stimulate more um, more uh, responsibility within the organizations that now realize okay we're not by ourselves on these markets Uh, there is someone looking at us we need to there's actually quite a lot of eyeballs on us and it's not just the states it's not just um, you know national digital service coordinators that might be more or less powerful depending on the member state we're talking about. There's also the commission, there's a bunch of researchers, there's uh, civil society on us. So I do believe that this is going to also lead to perhaps more um, openness on on behalf of the platforms that really would like to perhaps engage in compliance in in good faith. And I hope that this is going to, uh, we're going to see what has also happened, for instance, in the United States, where Meta has, um, already for years now uh, created very solid partnerships with very solid uh, research groups uh, opening up their data sometimes very very in a very flawed way so there were some pitfalls there as well but this type of access is really unprecedented and for instance also in the european union um, it, there we do not have this type of access um, to to data and access to these companies internally and their processes most importantly um, it's it's not really given so i really hope that this is a starting point also for iterations in this direction.
0: Thanks Catalina. Um one topic that came up uh, quite uh, repeatedly is is the issue of technical standards. Now Yuri and I understand that uh, the algorithm audit you have been uh, working on the standardization request for the AI Act uh, which uh, of course uh, will uh, will have a significant impact. In terms of how fundamental rights uh, protections are implemented in practice, uh, but again, standardization is driven by by private entities, uh, so how how can you square you know uh, protecting fundamental rights with uh, a process that it, that is mostly driven by companies and and you know this is something that you you can also translate to the dsa because the dsa is meant to protect uh, protect us from societal risks and again these are of course uh, companies are profit driven so how can we ensure that they act responsibly as Catalina was saying
1: yes and this is a very complex question where the regulatory starting point is complex as well. So there it has been a choice, a political choice to, to regulate fundamental rights under product safety in this regard with respect to the AI Act. So then you have these technical standards kind of at top for products to have their CE marking that they can be used on the European market in a harmonized way across all member states. And then when you have to Get certified. You have to adhere as well to certain fundamental rights-related aspects, such as bias testing. That the blurring algorithm you have to remove personal characteristics from images, for instance, is not biased. And there, it gets very difficult how these bias assessments could be standardized under the AI Act according to technical standards, because we believe and many others that bias assessments cannot be standardized and cannot be automated. So you have to come up with standards for non-standardizable assessments, which only works up to a certain level. So that's what we are advocating together with a lot of private actors, but hopefully and luckily as well with uh, more and more public actors interested in this manner that when it's unclear, for instance, what constitutes bias in a specific context, that stakeholder panels can be included in bias assessment procedures, that when private AI developers are unsure about what kind of decision they have to make about demographic parity, like is our blurring algorithm working the same for different types of demographics with different types of clothes wearing behaviors, or skin colors, that if there are difficulties and challenges around building algorithms for that context, the blurring context, that then stakeholders are consultants across the entire uh, societal community, including data scientists of the company themselves, including citizens subjected to the algorithm or um, AI producers and partners buying the AI products of the company, so that it's more these difficult fundamental rights questions are discussed within democratic side. More a transparency mechanism again to open up these normative aspects of AI modeling. That's what we are advocating. Um, and it's a very long run. It takes time over like one up to two years to get to technical standards where these kind of aspects are included. So it's, um, it, it takes a while before we are there, but the deadline is April 2025, I believe.
0: Yeah but uh, we have seen European Standardization Organization uh, being uh, repeatedly late on this uh, standardization request so uh, it remains to be seen um, we are quickly running out of time but I have uh, one last question I would ask you to to answer so uh, concisely I would ask you to to for a quick reaction to um, how do you see, I know the AI Act is still a moving target, but there has been a lot of parallels between the the new governance related to foundation models that have sort of a systemic risk um, with the DSA. So, you know, also in terms of um, opening up the the black box of uh, algorithms and artificial intelligence, what are the sort of parallel that you see between the DSA and the AI Act and and what are the lessons that we can already draw from the DSA for the AI Act. Catalina, do you want to start?
2: Yeah. So I'm just going to refer very succinctly to uh, the question of risk. So we see that the AI Act is really about um, regulating risks, so different categories of risks when it comes to uh, artificial intelligence. And of course, we also have the systemic risk paradigm of the Digital Services Act. Now, I'm actually going to uh, swap this around because if you look at uh, Annex 3 of the AI Act, uh, it has what I do believe is uh, still missing from the DSA, and that is a examples of very, very specific, for instance, in the case of the AI Act, um, what is considered, at least in the proposal, um, as it uh, might stand right now, uh, a high-risk uh, AI system. So these are very, very specific examples. Um, they are mapped, I think, very much uh, out of a lot of different scandals and very different uh, uh, situations that occurred in many different member states, but also and they are very much anchored in um, in academic research. For instance, if we're speaking about risk recidivism algorithms, we um, We can recognize also examples of uh, profiling and also uh, fundamental rights impacts on um, different categories of vulnerable citizens when it comes to maybe having benefits or services from the state. So these are very, very specific examples of um, high-risk systems. Whereas when we're speaking about the DSA, we do have uh, uh, we do have four categories of systemic risks, and these categories hopefully are supposed to um, inform our understanding of what could be a systemic risk um, when it comes to online platforms. But at the same time. Uh, they are still very vague. We can recognize, for instance, that there can be a negative or foreseeable um, actual or foreseeable negative effect on electoral processes. We can maybe think about the Cambridge Analytica example and what happened there. Um, But at the same time, if we look at risk assessment in the DSA under, for instance, the first heading of Article um, 34.1a, namely the dissemination of illegal content through uh, the services of these platforms, a very large online platform um, we're talking about everything when we say illegal content. So I think that this is what perhaps even the DSA can learn a little bit from the AI Act, especially when it comes to upcoming guidelines, which we hope uh, the commission might uh, might issue on various aspects of the DSA, um, that we need also a little bit more uh, flesh when it comes to the examples of, of the risks that perhaps have already been mapped under Uh, systemic risks, um, and then how we should consider risks that we
0: haven't mapped yet. Urien, a quick reaction from you?
1: Sure. So the risk element is so difficult to scope for an all-purpose technology like AI. That's our main concern under the AI Act, high-risk categorization, that it matters so much whether you're applying your AI system in the context of um search engines up to content moderation up to profiling people so ideally we want to narrow it down that you have certain data quality requirements for instance for all those different applications however that that's difficult to get that in regulation um a second point i wanted to make is that the normative aspects should be taken into account when it um, gets to assessing systemic risk. So now it it gets at the kind of meta level, how these AI systems are audited to very large online platforms or search engines. You do not have to look into the hyperparameter tuning, for instance, of a search engine when these systems are audited. So it, it kind of only a very meta level that private actors are auditing these other private actors without really getting to this normative core so it's kind of a superficial audit you can say it's not a really data scientist way of reviewing an ai system it's more um, a vague watered down policy instrument without any teeth, but that's maybe a stretch um, and we haven't seen the result yet, but that's my concern from the DSA systemic risk auditing perspective.
0: Yurian Pari is director at Algorithm Audit. Catalina Guanta is associate professor at Utrecht University. Thank you both. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Evi Curie. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening.